Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick. I can be found at nickferry.com. Joined, as always, with April Wilkerson of wilkerdoos.com and Jay Bates of jayscustomcreations.com. How's everybody doing today? Hey everyone. Pretty good. How are you, Nick? I'm fine. Jay? I'm doing quite well. I just got sleepy all of a sudden. But yeah, right when we started recording, I just got sleepy. No more talking for you, Nick. You put Jay asleep. <laughs> it's, it's that soothing voice. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the Wood. Anyway, podcast. we want to thank a couple new contributors since we last spoke. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, Louis Uberg, David Eichler, and Jacob Baker. Those are the new contributors on the website. Thank you very much for your contributions. And Nick, do you have the PayPal contributors? Or not PayPal, Patreon. Let's see here. In no particular order, we have St. Nickster, Christopher Michael Copes, Terry Burns Dyson, Paige Bonifaci, Fred McIntyre, Darren Pruitt, Martin Wagner, Steve Mills, John Wilson, Clement Breezard, Don Chesser, George Thomas, Modern Builds, Jason Adamzek, and Chris Stokesmore. And I just realized that I, I think I said this last time. I might need glasses. <laughs> You're getting old. Yeah. Too much, too, too little typing, or what do you want to call it? Character size. The font size? Yeah. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, so much over on Patreon as well as PayPal. That is greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah. Moving right along. <laughs> now, now Jay's got me thinking, like, oh, man, he's sleepy, and so now this is getting choppy. Hmm. Nick, what do you have going on on your workbench? Um, nothing on the bench, so to speak. Um, but I am working on a wall that I'm building in front of my garage door. In front of it? Behind it? I don't know. Oh, on the back side of it, on the inside of it? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so putting some tool chests on the bottom half. Uh, I posted on Instagram... Uh, kind of a generic layout. It's getting, it's, you know, fall time, getting into closer to winter, and I got to consider bringing my snowblower over, and I didn't have a good spot for it because that turned this past summer into a kind of a makeshift lumber rack. And so I'm making a little, a little garage within the garage just for the snowblower. But the top will be a workbench surface. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, right now it's not glued or screwed down, but it's two layers of three-quarter inch MDF. And then I might laminate either Formica or HDPE on it. So do you already you already have it built then? So it's beyond the SketchUp stage. Yes. Yeah. I actually I was working on it last night. I got the toolboxes in, and then just to kind of make some more room to work around, I just plopped the MDF tops on top right now. Very cool. How are you liking it? I am liking it. The um, SketchUp model you showed the, the table saw and router table are flipped 180. Is that right? from what they were when we were up there? Yeah, um, and that was more because I wanted, and, and this made sense in my head, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this, but the to the right of the blade, obviously, is my, my rip capacity, and that just seemed like it suited better if I have this big peninsula sticking out into the room with my lumber rack. Yeah, that does kind of make sense. And also, if you're, if you are now, uh, pushing material through or let's see how am I going to say this if you were uh, using the assembly table or outfeed table 
and the camera is on the opposite side. Then you have your logo and all that stuff in the back window too. Yeah, but I normally film from the back side of the table saw. Yeah, you didn't get that. No, I totally didn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But no, the, the design I really like um, is when I came up with the, the garage for the snowblower, the sheet goods storage is just a matter of opening the garage door and sliding the sheets in from the back side. And then they're shut the garage door and then you can pull them out from the front side and use them. That makes sense. I've got to cut all my sheet goods down to 66 inches to fit underneath the assembly table now. Now that I don't have the plywood cart, which so far that decision of getting rid of the plywood cart has been nothing but positive. Uh, it hasn't bit me in the butt yet as far as having shorter pieces of plywood on hand. Uh, but I know I know that if I need a longer piece of plywood, like along the full eight-foot length. I'll just have to go get a piece of plywood and, and cut it up as I need it rather than storing it. Well, and Which, you're so good about planning out your projects. It's not like it's going to take you by surprise. Hopefully not. And I think it was, who was, I think it was Jimmy DeResta said that he keeps all of his lumber at the lumber yard. Yeah. Or plywood at the plywood supplier, whatever it was, which which makes total sense. So, April, what have you got going on other than burning all your scraps? Man, did you see those comments? Yes, I saw them, and I was like, I'm going to click away from this video real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had a hard time just keeping my mouth shut on it. But, um, yeah, Matt, I was in Matt Cremona's shop up north, and we were talking about it in his shop shop update, his weekly update, and he was like, people are going to eat it up. And I said, I know, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an easy thing because whenever I did this as a hobby, getting scraps, I was thinking to myself, man, people burn their scraps. What a wasteful thing. But now that I do this as a living, and it's like I, I do a, a weekly project. I mean, it's the same as like cabinet shops, why they just toss out so much, like dumpster fulls of their, of their cutoffs because it just becomes way too impractical to um, try to reuse every single bit and bob. But yeah. Um, but yeah. That little uh, thing burns a lot, and let's see. I finished my outfeed, uh, accessorizing my outfeed table, and then now I'm moving on to building an awning off the side of my barn. And it's actually a pretty big awning. It's going to be 31 feet by 6 feet, so it's wow. pretty huge. Nice. Yeah, but, I mean, it should go uh, pretty pretty good. Going back to the scrap wood, um, and a lot of people talk about well, you know, you should give it to so-and-so or, you know, because obviously it depends on what you do. If you're doing, you know, cabinet carcasses mm -hmm. and stuff like that, you know, the little offcuts and they're, they're not going to benefit you and what you're doing, but it might be to a pen turner. But you can't waste too much resources trying to give it away. Yep. Uh, I had a couple comments on a, a an oddball video of mine where I broke a large sheet of glass. It was like a roughly a four by seven sheet of glass. And a few people said, well, that's pretty wasteful. You could have given that away. I tried to give that away for almost three years. Mm -hmm. And I had people come and look at it. And they're like, oh, there's a scratch over here. Never mind. And I'm like, I'm not wasting my life trying to give this away anymore. So I yep. broke it. Scraps yeah. are one of those things you can instantly become or very quickly become a hoarder with it too. I mean, you just, they just, they're so consuming if, if that's what you do regularly, you know, chop stuff up. So... I'm with you. I, I burn my stuff occasionally. Uh, I've got two trash cans in the shop. One is metal for burnables and one is plastic for stuff that goes down to the road. 
Um, but if I have stuff that I think is usable to other people, then I've uh, I've mentioned it a couple of times to people locally. Uh, you know, if you want them, you can come get them. Uh, but other than that, it, you just you just gotta you just gotta purge and move on. Yeah. Oh, and that's the deal. As people were saying, well, um, uh, take it to the to the to the dump to where they have a recycle f- facility. So, like, dump is forty five minutes away. I don't like. I I have something to do with that forty five minutes, and uh, trying to give it away. Nick, same thing. I've tried to to put it on my curb before, thinking maybe somebody will just be interested in coming by and picking it up. No. Same thing with pallets. I've left pallets out there before, and just people in my area aren't interested in it. And I don't, I don't want to make a Craigslist ad, you know, so I did a little bit of trying to give it away. It didn't work. So now it's just best worth my time to just get rid of it. Amen to that. Yeah. That, and I mean, and, and this might sound like I'm complaining. I'm really not. I'm just trying to make people aware. A lot of people, even in that glass video I did said, well, why, why don't you cut it up and, um, you know, you could have used it in smaller pieces. Well, they're automatically assuming that that I haven't tried as many options as possible in, I guess, jumping to conclusions. It's tempered glass. You can't modify tempered glass once it's been tempered. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't even so much as polish the edge on tempered glass. So no, there was no cutting it up. There was no, and yeah, I, and I, I'm, you guys know this, you've been at my shop. I'm, I'm a bad enough hoarder the way it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know. People were telling me you need to uh, learn how to make birdhouses with them. It's like, Son, I don't have time to make birdhouses. <laughs> if I have time to make birdhouses, I want to sleep. <laughs> that Texan girl's coming out. Son, Son I don't have time for <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, and that, and you know, it, like I said, it depends on what, if somebody's like a pen turner, they might utilize smaller scraps. or. Um, but you're not in the business of manufacturing birdhouses. Nope. You know, you which which is weird because I I've, I haven't put out a video in a little while and I went back to one of the most common things I've ever made is a stool and I got I don't know how many different designs on them and so one day out there I just I went and made three or four stools and I was like hey you know that's I don't know I had to have a smile on my face and that's what did it put a smile on <laughs> you still sound like you're half asleep. I, I I don't know what it is. I'm I'm drinking some Sprite right now. Hopefully the the sugar will kick in and and wake me up a little bit. But man, it just just like a light switch that hit me. Hmm. So what about this bandsaw you have on your list here, Nick? Uh, I pulled the trigger on a bandsaw. Did you really? I did. What is it? What'd you get? When uh, is it gonna arrive? And where are you gonna put it? Did you sell your old one yet? Hold on. There was that was like nine <laughs> questions. <laughs> Answer them in the order I asked, please. Um, I forget. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it was a 14BX, the Laguna, and which is a, a tad bit um, confusing on their website because I was looking at the SUV uh, model of the Laguna and they were saying, I think it was 14 inch on the website, ripsaw cap- or resaw capacity. And I know people that are running 15 inch boards through it. I mean, now granted, that's completely maxed. You fit, can't physically fit anything else under there. But the 14BX, I think, is listed as like a 13-inch resaw capacity. But I think you can fit, or maybe it's 12-inch, but you can fit 13. So, And most of the straight-grain lumber I get is like 11 and a half, 11 and a quarter is the widest. So I'm pretty excited about that. Way to go. Is it going in the same spot as the the last one? 
Yeah, and that, that's actually what, oh man, I feel this is te terrible, but that, that's what started this whole wall project. <laughs> I went out to clean out my the corner my bandsaw resides in, and there was like 10 other items that were just sitting there. I'm like, those could go in a tool cabinet. And I'm like, oh, I should go get a, a tool cabinet. Or maybe two. Oh, maybe three. Oh, I could build a big wall for them to go in. <laughs> it's the domino effect. Non-festal yep. domino effect. So what are you going to do with your old one? Did you already get it out of there? No. Well, gosh, you're sounding like my wife there. No, you don't get rid of tools. You're keeping that little bandsaw? Well, yeah. You got to have a, a quarter inch blade in that one for curve cuts. I gotcha. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> where, are you going to put, put the... Uh, the new one back there with it? No, the the small one I'm going to put on this big wall thing that I'm making. It'll be kind of a, you know, because it's a benchtop model. And then uh, I got the mobile base kit for the larger bandsaw. So it'll sit where the, the previous one is right now, kind of tucked away. So for small, you know, anything 24 inches or less, I'll be able to cut it, no problem. But any longer boards I got to run through it, I'll just, you know, pop the wheels down, move it out into the center of the shop and, and use it that way. Very cool. So when does it arrive? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I think that was next. On I don't the list. know. The, the, it shipped already, but the, I guess the freight company is supposed to give me a call. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping this week because I think it was the end of last week is when I is when I ordered it. So nice. So how's the whole shop cleanup coming? If you got to do all this moving around because moving all that stuff with the the room that you have available as it is, kind of. Oh. Kinda, it's an absolute nightmare, which I'm, I imagine, I know I'm not the first one to go through this, but it's just to the point of cold to where you could have on a winter jacket and it would still be a little chilly. Because, I mean, we've had days, I think, in the 50s, so that gets a little bit chilly. I mean, I know I'm being a wuss for everyone that works outdoors during the winter. <laughs> You're but, being a wuss. Um, I woke up this morning and went walking with my wife and it was 50 and I was freezing, absolutely yep. freezing. I was visiting Matt and it was 50 and I thought it was in the thirties. Yeah. I had, I was like, I had on, I think three layers and gloves and a hood and I was shaking. I was like, what is it like a 30? <laughs> I was like, no. I said, is it twenties? He goes, no, April, it's in the fifties. I'm like, oh my uh, gosh, <laughs> I need Texas back. Well, I, I got lucky on Sunday. I pulled my table saw out into the driveway and I was able to rip all the all the stuff down for this and I know this is going to be an odd approach when I finally come out with a video for it but rather than just use two by fours to make this thing I ripped down I think it was two or three sheets of three quarter inch uh, plywood into three inch strips and I just I like the look of it better it's a UV finish pre-finished plywood but I, I was lucky to have one day but now yeah moving stuff around in that garage uh, with like two full sheets of MDF still sitting there it's it's tight. It's it's cramped in there. That's right. That's for sure. So now that it's uh, random thinking here, but so, so now that it's chilling out quite a bit up there, how is your uh, heat pump working out? The heat pump is working out beautifully. Uh, I was actually kind of well. Now, granted, I, I I don't know what the temperature it is out right now. I, I want to say it's like six. No, I can't be sixty. I bet it's forty five or fifty right now. But it's it's keeping up real well at that temperature. So it's like I'm, blowing I'm snowballs to see. What's that? I said, so it's like blowing snowballs right now. Not, what do you mean blowing snowballs? Oh, yeah, that was, no, a, I got that was just on. a bad joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that it's quieter. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's, it's finicky. It's more finicky than the other one because it doesn't pump out so much heat. So you got you to gotta pretty much set it and forget it type. Like 
I have it set to 73, which sounds really hot, but it only stays like 64 in there. So that was kind of a weird hmm. adjustment to, to figure out. But So there's like an offset? Yeah. Um, and, and then I tried to play around with turning it off at night, and that's pretty much a no-go. But it's pretty efficient. We really didn't... That's one thing I want to do. I'm going to get a, a whole house um, power consumption meter, and so I can monitor really what 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 it's actually you know using but our energy bill even with the air conditioner mode running really didn't go up that much i mean probably like 15 bucks a month and mine jumped like 40 bucks i think in the dead of the summer but it was it was crazy hot that you get higher humidity and higher temperatures than i get as well but right I don't know. I'm curious. I, I I debated making a video on showing me installing it, but and then do a follow up video maybe a year later. But I think I'll just do the the follow up video a year later whether I like it or not. So yeah, I'm gonna do the same. I get a lot of people asking me f for a uh, tool talk on my AC slash heater the the mini split, and, and I'm gonna do the same thing. And uh, now yours is is yours what twelve thousand BTU? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, and it's a 20 by 20 space, pretty much. 22 by 22, roughly. Okay, okay. And it's nine and a half foot ceilings, and the ceilings are uninsulated as of right now, which that's one of those, oh, when I get around to it, I've been wanting to do that for like three or four seasons, but it seems like, you know, just the other day, now with this new wall that I'm building, I'm going to want to drop an airline down there, and I'm going to want power on that side, so running running electricity or air or whatever is a lot easier, you know, obviously if it's not insulated up there, but maybe next fall. <laughs> when you get around to it next fall. Yeah, speaking of round to it, we talked about that in another podcast where T-U-I-T -T, written on a round object, that's when you get around to it. I saw one the other day that was uh, a stick to it. It was a popsicle stick with to it written on it. Oh, really? So, so yeah, you make sure you got, you got to stick to it. Stick to it now. <laughs> that is nice. I think I, I can do that one pretty easy, I think. So what are you what are you guys working on? Yeah, Jay, what are you up to? Um, not much. I'm honestly trying to avoid the computer and avoid the shop for a little bit because I know I'm gonna be doing a lot of stuff November and December and probably the the uh the first month of next year. So I've been trying to get a couple easy things done, which is, is boring for content. Um and do a lot of stuff around the house, uh, the outside stuff, and then play with my dogs a lot, to be honest with you. Uh, but I did make a couple shooting boards. Last week I made a shooting board for a video, which performed way better than I thought it would. Uh, I yeah, thought, it was a good video. Well, thank you. I, th I thought that that was going to be just uh, people were going to yell at me for making an easy project. So it was, what, four pieces of wood? Two, two pieces of plywood, two pieces of wood. Um, but... I guess it was more about the video than the actual project itself. Uh, but anyway, that over, that went over better than I thought. And then I gave the plane and that shooting board to my neighbor. He ended up giving me in return um, a Stanley uh, Stanley Bailey number seven that I had slightly restored previously. So now I've got one of those nice long joiner planes and decided to make another shooting board for it. Um, and then other than that, not much. Uh, this week I might have possibly two videos, but one of them is going to be previous content from when I was in Michigan. And then uh, I need to tackle my uh, my kitchen pantry. It's just 
it's that wire shelving stuff that really doesn't support much. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's good for dust and stuff like that, but it doesn't really support much. So, uh, and they're spaced too far apart to where if you stack anything, well, then there's too much weight in it. It's just a crappy system. It was just the easy way to get it done when, when uh, the original person installed it. And I want to make, make like a, a U-shaped uh, shallower shelving system that has more shelves. And then I was thinking about putting one of those, you know those um, like vegetable can dispensers where you just load them up from the top and they roll down? And then you just pull yeah. the bottom one out. I was thinking about putting one of those in the full length of the inside of the door. But then I was wondering how it would do with the weight. I don't think it would be that big of a deal. But, Is it a solid core door or a hollow? It's one of those um, um, six-panel mass-produced. Uh, so it's probably hollow? It, it's hollow. I guess they have like a, um, a webbing, internal webbing that's like cardboard or something like that. Structurally, I think it'll handle it. I'm just worried about long-term stress on the hinges. Mm-hmm. You could always um, put on heavier hinges. I did something. Of course, my doors are solid, so I felt like it was pretty secure. But on one of the doors, I added like an inside shelving unit, and then it only had two of the um, kind of like residential regular hinges. And so I upgraded them to the commercial-sized hinge- hinges and then also added a third one on it. So maybe if you if you do that, then just... Add a add an additional hinge and then upgrade them. Yeah, if you use those commercial hinges and three of them, like April did, you should have no problem putting. Because fire doors, like commercial, you know, fire doors with steel and all that, they're pretty dang heavy. I want to say close to two hundred pounds. So I think you'd be fine if you upgraded the hinges. Yeah, I think I'll. What I'll do is just keep that in the back of my head because I'm one of those. If it's not broke, don't fix it kind of things. So I'll, I'll leave it as long as, and you know, who knows, maybe this, maybe it's plenty strong enough to you know, last forever like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's one of those, yeah, we'll see, you know, something else to put back onto the honey-do list once I knock it off. Mm-hmm. That and I like with the hinges, at least one screw per hinge to be longer, like a two and a half inch screw to actually go into, I mean, I hate that. I My parents, when they um, bought a house, this is, you know, eight years ago, but immediately one of the doors was falling off and i took the screws out and they were all three quarter inch screws yeah. and they were the solid um they're not maple but a heavier wood they're not pine doors but i'm like wow i don't i don't know how i don't know i mean maybe that's standard building practice but I, I don't think it's strong enough no i'm with you same thing our bathroom doors were all falling off so i upgraded all all of the screws to uh, two and a half inch screws and it just makes no sense to have this itty bitty tiny little screw to me i, I find it very bizarre for as much as like, especially interior doors get used. On a completely side note, no nobody you know can see me because you know this is a podcast. But I'm like flailing over here. I got a fly in the house and it keeps landing on me. <laughs> so you need my dog is a part terrier and he loves to hunt flies. Like he just sits there and tracks it with his eyes until it gets close enough, and then he goes jump. And he, and he chomps on them, and, he, and then he spits them out once they're dead. It's the craziest thing. Uh. So you need to get a dog that likes catching flies. Maya, my larger dog, used to. Um, maybe she's getting older and doesn't want to anymore, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's completely random. Nothing to do with woodworking. Nick's over here flailing his arms, and April and Jay are probably going, what the heck is wrong with this dude? I don't question anything you do anymore. 
<laughs> I think it's pretty hard for you to take me by surprise these days. <laughs> I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll, I'll let that just just be what it is. Yeah, it's a comfort <laughs> level. We're good enough friends. Yeah. <laughs> do we have any questions? Is that what we want to get into, or what? Do we, what are, how do we want to take it from here, folks? Uh, sure, we can jump into some questions. Um, Keith Crawford asks, "I was wondering if you had any." Uh, suggestions for a problem I ran into. I started a project. Uh, I started a project for a live edge serving board and noticed I had a significant cup running the length of the middle of the board. The material is one inch thick. I was wondering if you had any tips for getting the cup out of the board. Uh, there's a lot you can do. You can make a, a router plane similar to uh, the Wood Whisperer, the way he flattened his uh, his his workbench. Uh, we'll post a link to that video. Uh, you could use a hand plane, obviously. Uh, that'll do the job just fine. Um, and, oh, I thought of something else and totally forgot about it. But yeah, basically a router or a, a, a hand plane will do the job just fine. There's two, there's two different methods you can use. Um, but we'll have links to uh, both of those in the article for this video. The process is the exact same regardless of the size of the board. So if you watch a video flattening a workbench, it's the exact same process of, of flattening it, flattening a, a six-inch wide board. If you're um, if you're wanting to keep that thickness, another thing you might want to try is just ripping it down the middle, joining it, and re-gluing it. Because uh, if the cup is real severe, you're going to lose a lot of that that thickness. So that's something to give give thought to. Yeah, if you do rip it down the middle and then then joint the faces of each side, you'll lose a lot less thickness than just trying to surface it from a, a full width. But you uh, also gain a glue line right down the middle. Typically, though, I mean, well, it, he didn't say the species of wood, did he? Uh, da, 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 no. Oh, okay. Typically, you can hide that glue line pretty decently. Or e either that or, you know, like my, my old theater adage of... Uh, you hide a mistake by highlighting it, so you could always put an accent strip of a contrasting or, you know, different wood in there. It's also a way too if you want to do live edge. If you want, you know, you need something a little bit wider, you can glue in a board in the middle, and it'll get you a little bit of a wider slab, anyways. Um, Louis Uberg from Norway uh, wants to know, in a matter of words, what's our opinions on the metric system? It's horrible, and everyone who uses it should just. No, I'm just kidding. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's it's just another method, and it all, you know, this argument is never going to go away as long as the Earth is still spinning around. The argument is never going to go away. Uh, it's I like huh. I was going to say I like the metric system. It's all based upon what it's all relevant to what you're used to. If I if I grew up using the metric system, I'd love it. I didn't. I grew up using the imperial system, so. If someone says one foot uh, three inches, I have a visual representation of what one foot three inches is. Seventy-five centimeters. I just I have I'll have to get something some type of measuring device out to figure out what that is. So it's just relative to what you're used to. I've it got would nothing. Be nice if we it. were all on a standard system, and um, I think the metric system makes more sense. But yeah, I mean, since I grew up on the imperial, I I understand the imperial and I don't understand the metric as far as like like what you said. I wouldn't know what seventy five mil looks like. Yeah, relevancy. It's I agree with you. Metric does make more sense when you start uh, adding fractions of an inch, and it's just oh man, some of that stuff is is just it, it's um, 
not the most convenient as far as working with actual numbers, but it is more convenient as far as what I'm used to. I, I like the metric system. And in fact, I, I kind of wish that everybody was metric, but it's that whole when in Rome thing. And like they were saying that I grew up with the imperial, you know, fractional system. So that's, you know, and that's what people use around here. I mean, even I think, I don't know if it's worldwide, but I know Canada still uses imperial for sheet goods. So, you know, you buy three quarter or four by eight sheets rather than, you know, by centimeters, millimeters or anything like that. And I mean, I would love to have everyone on metric, but last time I checked, uh, I don't think I'm in charge of that for the U.S. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I worked at Ashley Furniture in Ecru, in Ecru, Mississippi, I worked in their frame mill and I ran a um, uh, Como CNC router when I left. It was a four foot by eight foot router, but everything was in... Yes, it was a four foot by eight foot router, but everything was metric. It was 15 mil plywood, 15 mil OSB, 18 mil. And then all of the uh, hardwoods, um, they were all measured in in metric. It was all millimeters. So 1250 or, or 960, I think, was another common one. But the entire, the entire operation in their frame mill was all metric. Well, and another thing, and, I, and I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, and I, I would imagine I could just quickly Google it, but I'll, I'll get to the quickly Google it thing in a second. But so what do you do for less than a millimeter? To, and I, I've asked people that use metric, and they're like, oh, it's half a millimeter. I'm like, well, now you're introducing fractions, though. So <laughs> No, it's 0.5 millimeter. <laughs> but yeah, there's, but anyways, the, back to the quickly Google it thing. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an old soul, but... For for a lot of things, I don't like to quickly Google something because it's it brings up conversation that you know Google could tell me. Listen, this is what we do for less than a millimeter. I don't know. I'm 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 not. I know I'm not doing a good job explaining this, but sometimes if you need a quick answer for something, great. You know, Google it. But um, if it's like, oh, who sings this song? I would rather talk to my friends for like ten minutes trying to figure it out rather than just have one person hop on their phone and go, okay, this is who sings it. I don't know. Totally but, didn't make sense. No, I think it does. I think it's a good point. April, what are you working on right now? I'm actually painting my nails. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the time that I'm sitting down for an hour, so um, I might as well make good use of it while also recording. Just the tips, though, right? Just the tips. Yeah, so yesterday I had an incident. I was uh, attaching a bandsaw blade to my outfeed table so that I could tear the, uh, the paper off very easily. And I had to cut it up into smaller strips so that it could uh, not block the miter gauge slots that I had cut in. Well, anyways, and so I, w- I wanted to make sure that the blade tip or that um, the blade was flush with the table surface so that, you know, of course I don't want it over and it end up blocking my wood. So I used my pointer finger to hold the blade flush with my table surface as I'm using my left hand to screw it down or into the wood. Well, as soon as the threads caught the metal, ended up slinging that blade, it ended up twisting it and grabbing it and twisting it. And it sliced the tip of my finger and went all the way through my nail. Ouch. So, yeah, it was a it was a kind of a I wasn't thinking about it scenario because I had drilled holes in the metal on either end of the blade so that I could attach it to my surface. So I wasn't even thinking about it grabbing, but yeah, I grabbed it, it grabbed it and twisted it so quickly 
And, of course, it's a brand-new bandsaw blade, and so it just ripped right through my finger. So I cut my finger on a bandsaw blade <laughs> whenever it was not in the bandsaw. I felt yeah, like it, it was on the table saw. Yeah, exactly. It was on my outfit table, of all things. So, yeah, I felt like an idiot. That Well, to, to make you feel like less of an idiot, I had... Uh, in my, it was like a week or two ago in my noteworthy woodworking on my website, uh, there was a video on a guy stapling his finger, but it was a prank on his coworker. And so I, but I didn't have a good thumbnail for the article. So I had to actually make fake blood and then, you know, but this is no joke. I'm making the fake blood and I cut myself making it. Oh, no. So then I just ended up using the real blood. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more but authentic. I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link to that because uh, I ended up blurring it out. I actually asked Jay. I was just about to send the uh, email out, and I'm like, you know, people might not want, you know, what looks gory. It's not, it's not really a staple going through my finger, but it's, it's really my blood. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I ended up blurring it out, but it was it was a funny video. I, I it, yeah, really funny. All right, the next one is more of a tip than it is a question. I've never heard of this. Maybe you guys have. I've already read it. Uh, Ian Thatcher says, "I see tons of people using blue painters tape on their drill bits to mark the depth they want to drill a hole. I have never had great results with the with this, as the tape always seems to move on me." And I completely agree with him. I haven't had great results with it personally. Uh, then he says, I could I could not find my tape one day and looked through the drawer and found some Teflon pipe thread tape and was amazed at how well it works. Everyone has at least one roll of it or it run. Excuse me. Everyone has at least one roll of it if they have done any plumbing projects. I know I buy one every time I need, I need to do some plumbing. It's bright white, so it's easily visible and sticks right to the bit and does not move. When I'm done with it, I just zip the bit through the piece of scrap and it's through a piece of scrap and it's gone. I've not seen anyone use this before and really wanted to spread the word. Um, like I said, I've never seen that uh, Teflon tape be, being used for that, but it makes sense to me. Yeah, it's cool. I'll actually try it out. I, I tried duct tape here on my on my outfeed project um, because the painter tape just moves way too easily, and it yeah. worked a little bit better. It was a little bit more resilient, but still, after after making four holes, it started moving on me. I, uh, I saying that it's moving. Are you are you guys maybe going like a little bit deeper each time, and it's pushing it up the bit? Yeah, yeah. It just oh, kind of okay. like like shrugs it up a little bit. Yeah, uh, to combat that, my method is I, I make a, like a little flag rather than wrap it all the way around, and then that flag points down somewhat, so I don't actually bottom out the the tape around the shaft of the bit. I, I wait for the flag that's spinning to touch the wood, and that way, if I go a little bit too far, it just flexes that little tape flag, and then yeah. hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, Teflon's a good good one, too. Hey, by the way, so Laura, Laura Camp gave me some something called gaffer's tape. You've all, have y'all heard of it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between gaffer's tape and, and duct tape? Uh, little to no residue ever left behind, and it can stay on there longer and doesn't degrade. Did we sell it here in the States? Yeah. Mm, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, I got probably, I don't know, 10 rolls of it laying around my shop. It's big with theater and movie productions. That's why they have um, uh, positions called gaffers. Oh. Yeah. It's also shiny, not reflective. So it doesn't draw your attention. It's shiny? It's not shiny. It's not reflective. Oh. I may have yeah. said that backwards. I may have said that backwards. Yeah, we used to use it. My first job out of high school, 
I was uh, basically the manual labor aspect of a photo studio in a furniture factory. So I had to tear down the, the scenes and, and put the new furniture in and out. But we had to use scaffers tape on the uh, all electrical cords and stuff like that. And occasionally in, in the set for certain items. And that was one of the things that uh, I remember he, him saying was an importance that it wasn't shiny it wasn't reflective it blends really easy mm-hmm. that's why you know flat black a lot you know for me for a lot of things just because i'm used to it but gaff tape comes in just about every color of the rainbow and you can get it in just about any width because uh, real similar to gaff tape is spike tape and they spike furniture or actors positions on the floor and uh yeah different different colors for different set pieces different colors for different actors yeah, it's it's awesome stuff for sure. I don't I don't even have I don't even think I have duct tape in my shop. Yeah, I I never buy duct tape just because of that sticky residue that you were talking about. And plus, it's um, it just like you leave some in your truck, and then the residue gets even worse. But yeah, this gaffer tape, I was blown away at how uh, easily it tore, and also just how well of a job it did. And then it was also easy to pull back up. Yeah, but speaking of tape and residue and stuff, you know, obviously tape has a shelf life, which I. You know, it kind of pisses me off that it does, but, you know, it does, just like anything else in life. But um, when we'd get new hires on, when I worked in manufacturing, we'd, you know, they'd have a roll of masking tape or something, and they were kind of, you know, wet behind the ears, so to speak. And we'd take a razor blade and just cut, like, the edge on an angle on their roll of masking tape. So they'd go to pull it off, and it would just tear. About every, every you know, turn of the tape, it would tear. And you'd see them get frustrated and never see that little slice we put in it. That is not nice. <laughs> That's like uh, loosening up the uh, the salt head on the shaker at the table so that oh, when you go to sprinkle I... it, the whole head comes off and you dump all the salt onto your food. I would be or, so bad. Or uh, put in, uh, replace the sugar for salt. I used to do that to my buddy all the time. We'd go, we'd go get a bite to eat. He'd order a coffee, head off to the bathroom, and I'd switch and pour all the sugar out and put salt in the sugar thing and... <laughs> You'd have one salty coffee. Man, that's not nice. <laughs> Ed Gonzalez wants to know, have any of you guys had any experience with Wood River Plains? I have. I've got two of them. Uh, I've got a four and a half that I have set up as a dedicated smoother. And I have the number 62 low angle jack plane. Um, I don't have any complaints out of either one of them. Uh, just minor uh, minor work to the blade out of the box to get it to cut to my expectations and that's pretty much it, it it's a it's a decent quality plane in my opinion um yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it i've got the like i said the low angle jack plane and i've got the two different blades for it uh one i think that is ground to oh gosh i don't even know the angle like 20 degrees 12 degrees no the, the bed angle is 12 and i think the blade is 20 degrees something like that um, more for end grain work. And then I do have another blade that I can put in it that is a higher angle so that it performs more like a standard bevel down plane. Um, but I only use it for the, uh, uh, the end grain stuff, but yeah, no complaints out of either one of them. Um, they, they do what I ask them to do just fine. The uh, five and a half. I wonder why that, it seems like that one's more scarce uh, the five and a half wood river. Cause I was going to, I was going to build a shooting board for that. And I know, uh, Rob Cosman, uh, had a big hand in designing the wood river as I'm shooing flies away from me, <laughs> had a, had a big hand in, you know, helping them redesign the, their, their planes and stuff. And, 
Yeah, they're, you know, for the price and what you get, I think they're a good value for sure. You know, and it all depends on what you're going for. If, if you want the, if you have the extra disposable money, you know, buy a diamond encrusted one then. Diamond encrusted one. <laughs> um, yeah, they do the job. And I will say that out of the box, my Lee Nielsen uh, block plane was darn near flawless didn't require hardly any work I, I haven't done anything to it actually i don't think i've even sharpened the blade yet for the first time and i've used it a ton um so when it comes to hand planes the the general premise is the more you spend the more you should expect that it you shouldn't have to spend any time on it it should be ready to go out of the box now that being said if you're willing to put in some time to restore an old one uh that's a uh, of a time frame where they used quality materials uh, then that'll be that'll do the job just fine too. I restored my friend's um, Stanley. I don't know if it was a Bailey. Stanley Bailey number five. Um, don't recall. But after I got it done, I was like, well, I'll see how this compares to the Wood Rivers that I have. And I had that one working better. I, I liked it better than any of the, any of the newer ones that I had at the time. So. It's a um, it's a trade off between how much you're willing to spend versus how much time you're willing to put into making an older one perform or a lesser expensive one perform to your expectations. Yeah, and some people enjoy the restoration process too. That's something. To, uh, the the I don't even know if it's a four four and a half that uh, Fulton warranted um, plane that I have, and and that thing cuts beautifully and. It was given to me for free. I mean, they even had a price tag on it for like five bucks. But I was at my plywood supplier, and he's like, "You want it? Take it." He goes, "Just have it." And I did a video on that as well, restoring that, and it it works beautifully. So it all depends what route you want to go. Wood River though, they're they're pretty nice out of the box. There's very very little that you have to do to it. But also, you're not, you know, you're not paying. I would say it's middle of the road for price or. They're yeah. not cheap, you know. They're not like Walmart, you know, Harbor Freight <laughs> plane cheap, right? Which great I, neck tools or something. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those now. My my very first hand plane was a number four, and the brand is called Grip, whatever that means. That's the only letters that are on that G R I P Grip, and um, that thing is probably got about ten hours worth of messing with the stupid thing to get it to where it, it cuts nice. Yeah, and 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 it's you know tough to you know you you you, you got to spend the money sometimes, but you don't want to be discouraged by having like I think it was the Great Neck one where it's it's a plastic handle, but it even says on the box like authentic real wood look. <laughs> <laughs> real wood look. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean I'm not saying that you know uh, man-made products are bad for that stuff. I mean, I think Rob Cosman's, uh, dovetail saw is actually like a, a polymer or a plastic, but, uh, and he's got reasoning behind that, but the great neck one was, I, I think that's what the brand was. It was like a two little shell half pieces. I bought one years ago and I took it back right away. I'm like this thing, <laughs> this is like having a pop bottle on the back side of this plane. It was terrible. That's funny. Speaking of planes though, um, uh, venture off a little bit to electricity. April, have you used uh, an electric hand plane, Triton's electric hand plane? I have. I've used their small one and then their middle one. I haven't used the big one. I call it a little alligator, but um, I've used <laughs> the other ones. 
Nice. How do you like it? I like them. Yeah, I yeah. use the, um, since I don't have a jointer, it's great. And then, of course, I have a hand plane. That I was recently given one, but I haven't yet figured out how to set it up, so I haven't used it. So, yeah, that hand plane one, I just plugged it in. And, like, for the mallet heads, after the big glue up, I, I planed down one side so that I could run the other four sides or the other three sides um, on the uh, table saw in order to get them, get them nice and um, trimmed up. And then the other time, I had a board that I glued up and it was then too large to fit through my uh, thickness planer. So I used the middle, I forget how big it is exactly, but it's their their middle electric planer. Nice. But yeah, they work great. I don't have any experience with a handheld electric plane, but they look like they can do some work pretty quick. Yeah, sure. it's, it's crazy. You can set how much you want it to take off, like a 64th or 32nd or an 8th, and it, it'll hog away some material. <laughs> I know a lot of the, the door installers really, really dig those because you yeah. know, you're constantly fitting a door and having to just take off just a little bit or sometimes a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I've got one sticky door. I need to do that to my place right now. Have you considered upgrading the hinges? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. This house is built on clay, so it's, it doesn't have any foundation problems. It's got foundation things that you have to deal with. You know, like nothing bad, major is going to have, have nothing majorly bad will happen to it but you know like all houses that are conventional foundations they settle and i've just got one door that's sticking at the top so sounds like my wife she settled (laughs) (laughs) settled for me (laughs) man i'm just but i'm bump (laughs) bad joke (laughs) i liked it (laughs) at least you got some laughter out of your bad joke I'm horrible at telling jokes. We we talked about this when we were in Wisconsin. Nick can tell jokes to anybody and get a laugh out of anybody. Every time I tell a joke, I have to repeat the punchline, and it's just like I just need to shut up. <laughs> well, that's why I when I explain my woodworking, I find myself grabbing a piece of paper to just sketch it out quick because uh, I, I think a joke is is how can you convey the the message? How well can you convey it? But with woodworking, I think it's a lot of times easier, at least for me, to just quick draw something out rather than try and get overly verbose with, you know, trying to, you know, and then you kind of look at people's puzzled look on their face and you're going, okay, you don't get that. Let me, let me draw that out for you. Should I tell my, should I tell my joke about jokes? Oh, no. That, that's a clean joke. Do whatever you want to then. Tell the joke, right. tell the joke, Nick. All right. It has nothing to do with woodworking, but you know, um. When Jay said, you know, some people just don't know how to tell a joke. Well, you know, this guy goes to prison and at, at, at night, all of a sudden he hears somebody yell out like 348 and everybody on the cell block starts laughing and another guy yells out 296. They all start laughing. He's like, what's, what's the deal with, you know, the, the numbers? He goes, ah, we've all been in here for, for so long that, you know, everyone's heard every joke. So we just numbered them. He goes, you got to be kidding me. He goes, yeah, try it. He goes, yell out a number. He's like, uh, 266, and nobody laughs. And he goes, well, what's the deal? He goes, some people just don't know how to tell a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, always that is... reminds me when Jay tries to tell a joke. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the same boat with Jay. I'm bad at telling jokes. Me and you cannot tell jokes together, and we'll just leave it all up to Nick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta, I, I'll keep it PG. So, but I could have, could have went so much further. <laughs> well, with that, that is the end of the podcast. We'll leave it on Nick's amazing, amazing joke telling. Uh, we want to <laughs> see that was a joke. You get it? 
Oh, uh, man. Anyway, we want to remind you that there's a couple different ways to stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. Go to the or the woodworkingpodcast.com and at the top you'll find a couple clickable buttons to subscribe on Android RSS or on iTunes or go to uh, the woodworking what does it say or type where'd that line come from I just totally lost track of what I was saying and I say it every single time the exact same way okay all right you can also go to the woodworkingpodcast.com slash feed uh, and if you are on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. It's always appreciated. Thank you very much for all of those who have already left a review. And until next time, thanks for listening. You guys take care, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. See you later. <laughs>